You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Bonus Locked On Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, joined by the founder of BrewsHoops.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden. And I say bonus Locked On Bucks because as I record this, it is Friday afternoon, about 5 p.m. actually. Uh, by the way, it looks like some weather's about to come in. Looks like it could be a snowy football Sunday at Lambeau, which I think most Packers fans, and there has to be a few of you guys, girls that are listening to this podcast, We'll probably be feeling pretty good about that. It's going to be a, a big day for you guys. Hopefully, those that are Packers fans end up happy with the result there. But the reason we are uh, pushing this podcast out, as I mentioned yesterday, we're going to finish this mailbag off. I wanted to wrap this up before the end of the week. So next week, uh, when the Bucks, uh, it's going to be a, a relatively big week. So they have this doubleheader that... Uh, don't fear about that. We are going to get through the doubleheader Kings and Blazers to start your week next week. And then, as we know, the Bucks had the Knicks. And then a really big game against the Celtics. They've been playing a lot of teams below 500. So uh, that will be a nice little measuring stick game for the Bucks. They need a challenge. They need to play these good teams. Uh, it always adds a little bit of spice. So that's going to be a fun one as well. But I'm not going to waste any more time. For those that haven't had your question answered, today's the day. The rest of the mailbag, we're going to roll right through it. Let's get into it. We've got a bunch of questions here related to the trade deadline, so I'm going to try and mention everyone here, and then then we'll get into some of that stuff. So Brooks Mullet, uh, this was uh, this was actually also sort of a question that we already touched on. He said, "Do they dare trade Sterling and DJ?" Uh, and he sort of mentioned, the, is there a pretty good chance that the Bucks don't do anything at the, the trade uh, slash buyout market? Uh, Brian Owens asked, who would be an ideal buyout option for the Bucks if they don't make any uh, trades at the trade deadline? Brady Peterson asked, uh, what upgrades could uh, the Bucks realistically uh, make? And he mentions the fact that um, uh, Ursan is probably the main uh, sort of trade chip of a decent uh, salary that the that the Bucks have, and then uh, Bill Wesley asked, "Would you rather see a big trade like a, a CJ McCollum CP3 uh, or some something uh, more at the margins?" Uh, he suggests in Bogdanovich or Redick, uh, all pretty good players there. So uh, I guess we can start with the trade deadline. I mean, do you, what what is your hunch? Like, do you have a hunch that the Bucks are either going to make a move or not going to make a move? I know you already mentioned the, the Miritich trade uh, last year, which I, we both agree was a really, really good move at the time. Didn't pay off. What, what, what are you thinking? I guess I start with, um, obviously this team's playing at a high level. So my first question is, well, what are you trying to solve um, with the trade? Right. Um, you know, last year you had a, a guy who wanted out in Thon Maker, uh, and you had an opportunity with Miritich to just kind of throw another dangerous piece into your front core rotation, which to be honest, like, I don't know if you necessarily had like an obvious need there. Um, you know, I you know I had concerns about Ursan and how kind of scalable his production was going to be in the playoffs and ended up being mostly fine. Um, and Miritich ironically, of course, you know, really just, couldn't hit a shot. Um, so I, again, if I look at this team, I mean, again, the first thing I think of is, okay, you know, would it be nice to have another playmaker uh, off the bench that could potentially be a ball handler uh, in a situation where if, you know, Bledsoe or Hill gets hurt, you know, where you have some insurance um, so that you're not playing essentially Chris and Giannis as the, the playmakers with, you know, guys like Dante and, and, and Wes Matthews in the backcourt. So that's kind of where I gravitate to. I, I forget where we saw it. I think someone somewhere, I don't know if it was Zach Lowe or somebody implied the Bucks were looking at potential power forward options. 
which to me seems kind of crazy. Like, you know, you already have, you have literally the MVP at power forward. And again, I know he can play center a little bit or even some small forward, but you have literally the, the most valuable asset in basketball, uh, eating up huge chunks of time at power forward. Ursan's obviously played probably about as well as you could expect Ursan to play. You have DJ Wilson, who I think, you know, is a guy that could be, you know, if he, he he's not a regular season player, just a regular season player. I think his defensive versatility could make him actually a guy that could play in the playoffs and he doesn't play at all. Um, and, you know, and then obviously Sterling Brown's played some small ball four. you could play Chris at the four, uh, like with Giannis, for instance, if you really wanted to, uh, you have all these options. I mean, the idea of going after a four just seems sort of strange to me. Like, I don't know exactly what you're solving there unless it's just a uniquely talented player, right? I mean, like, hey, yeah, if Davis Bertans were available, like, hey, that'd be really cool. Like, I'd love to see what he looks like as a floor spacer uh, at the four, you know, coming off the bench. But um, to me, it's that playmaking um, score. Uh, and so, I mean, that's where kind of like, obviously we talked, I mean, I, Eric and I talked about Bogdanovich, I think, this summer maybe even, or I don't know. I think I know we've talked about it at, at points. So, um, but again, do I think that a move is in any way imminent? Not really, you know. Um, but again, we'll, 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 we'll see uh, kind of what, what kind of guys become available. You know, Detroit's in a really bad place. I, I would say uh, with Blake Griffin, um, you know, likely out for the season now. Uh, if they drop off, you know, I think there's a talk about is Derek Rose become available. I mean, I, I've stated my um, distaste for Derek Rose for kind of non-basketball reasons and why I would be not interested in having him join the Bucs. Um, but again, like given kind of the way he plays and the renaissance he's had as an attacker, playmaker, uh, you know, could a guy like that uh, be of interest? Certainly there's, there's an argument for it. He doesn't make a lot of money. Um, and there's obviously other guys you could look at uh, throughout the league and, and kind of say maybe maybe there's some interest uh, that the Bucks might have there. I mean, DJ Augustine, obviously our friend Eric Names, favorite point guard uh, in the universe. Uh, you know, a guy like DJ Augustine makes a little bit more money. He's not like a minimum contract guy or anything. Um, but could that kind of, you know, shooter playmaker be of interest? I mean, watching Patty Mills just pull up off the dribble on pick and rolls and just bury three after three after three. Uh, you know, I couldn't help but think, man, it would be really nice to have Pat Mills coming off the bench uh, and being an option for you, uh, you know, in that regard, especially if Eric Bledsoe, uh, you know, kind of disappeared again in the playoffs. But, um, you know, is there a move that you can easily make there? I don't know. Um, it's it's definitely kind of tougher to pull off. So, uh, so yeah, I, I would gravitate towards that type of position. I think Covington has been interesting to me, if only because he's he's – kind of unique he's not a shot creator but um he's so versatile defensively and again you just sort of think if you're having to go into a final especially especially against um uh the clippers you know um having another guy i mean you could start him at the two and have him guard either paul george or Kawhi uh and space the floor uh that's interesting uh also i think in a potential boston series he'd be useful um but i i tend to find a focus more on those uh guys who who are potential kind of ball handler types so i don't know what what's what are you kind of thinking i mean i guess let me let me ask you but that basic question like what what problem are you trying to solve if the bucks do make a trade and again i'll i'll finish all that off by saying i I don't think there's an obvious deal the bucks necessarily make um that said uh you know i I, to me it'd be more if if the bucks make move. I, i imagine it could in general be a move that they make because they have a guy like Sterling or DJ who they just maybe don't feel has a role uh, moving forward, which I think probably be more of a Sterling thing than, than a DJ thing. Yeah, uh, I'm probably, I'm probably leaning. I mean, I could, I could be, uh, sort of talked into going either way in terms of like, do I want a guard or do I want a bigger body um, with an eye to, yeah, the Lakers or Clippers? Like, seriously, like that's what we're looking at with this team. It's the NBA final. So the interesting thing is that I, I don't think, I mean, if you're getting a big back, then fine. Yeah, you could probably move Ersan and any sort of deal with, with a guy like Covington, it's going to have to be him. I mean, he's going to have to be included in that deal. I don't think that the Bucks are going to trade Eric Bledsoe and I probably am fine with that. 
Uh, am I going to feel comfortable about that come playoff time? Probably not. But uh, I, I think that I, I still think that he's done too much. And if you move him, you worry about, as you sort of mentioned, uh, and with an earlier question, that you worry about breaking up that chemistry. And I don't really want to mess with that. But if I can get a, another guy, as you mentioned, that can get his own shot when things get stagnant, can you get another guy that's a you know a, a sniper from behind the arc and is going to help you out? Then yeah, I'm doing that, and I'm willing to to trade that that Pacers pick, uh, Sterling, DJ, whatever whatever you need to do to do that. And the interesting thing about Bogdanovich that that makes him such an intriguing uh, trade piece. Yes, he's he's soon to be a restricted free agent, so you don't really know what the future lies if you trade for him, um, particularly if you are giving up first round picks and and young sort of uh, you know whatever trade assets, whatever you want to call them. Um, is that his salary is just 8.5 million, so he is one really really good player that you don't need to include Ursan in for a trade and maybe uh, you know maybe it is DJ Sterling I, I don't know what whatever you can come up with there that's a guy that you can realistically make a package for and and you mentioned earlier about not wanting other teams to get him I mean the the rumored trade whether you want to believe it or not is Kyle Kuzma for Bogdanovich well if you're the box like can you beat that Maybe like, can you intrigue the 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 Kings with with a pick and and one of those young guys? Maybe both of them. I I don't know. Maybe uh, I don't think that Kyle Kuzma at this point is a guy that's that's you know really rated highly around the league. I think he's he's sort of dropped off a little bit there. Um, I, you know, I think it's also interesting that the Pelicans with the trade package that they did end up getting, like, was that. Uh, the fact that uh, the Lakers wanted to keep Kuzma, or the fact that the Pelicans didn't really want didn't really want him, I, I don't know. So there's something to be done there, and maybe I mean I'm sure the Bucks are inquiring. Put it that way uh, with Bogdanovich because he's a guy that can really lift your uh, chances this season. Derek Rose is interesting. I didn't really think about that, but uh, you know, I mean, I, I it pains I'm, me to even suggest that because I, I just don't want Derek Rose on my basketball team. But again, like he's a guy that. I think it's. I understand why he would be raised. Why the Bucks might be interested yeah. in a guy like him. No, I I completely get it as well. Like I remember a couple of seasons ago, I was just I didn't even care. I was just dead against that I didn't want him. Obviously, he's having a pretty damn good season, and he's a guy in a, in a relatively cheap contract. Mills is interesting. I actually completely forgot that he signed this deal. I looked it up the other night uh, as well because I was watching that game, and I was like, "Geez, Patty Mills would be pretty fun to have like off this bench." Um, you know, playing with a guy like uh, George Hill or whatever. You get a, a couple of guys there that can do some stuff off the dribble, uh, mix and match with starters. There, he's a guy that's hit big shots across his career. The problem is he's paid twelve point four this year, and then thirteen point two next year. So that deal's up there a little bit and uh another guy that's interesting jay crowder this is if you want to go down a different path there uh with memphis he's his contract is only around seven million dollars and then uh the guy that i think is the least likely but i brought him up a couple of weeks ago in regards to again you, this is when you're you're specifically eyeing off the nba finals most likely uh, also, those Boston guys with, with the bunch of wings that they have, uh, Iguodala, we don't know what's going to happen with him. It looks like it's going to have to be a trade. I don't even know if he would even entertain the possibility of coming to Milwaukee, but if he wants to win a championship, maybe he would. I, I don't know. Uh, the, his, his salary is up at 17, which becomes a little bit difficult to do, but if you're acquiring him, then uh, you know, you're probably okay with, with uh, adding Ersan into that one. So. I would expect, based on what we've seen before, we know that, that Horst is a guy that likes to make moves, likes to make trades. And that Miritich one was not really one that I anticipated a month before the deadline. So I you know, I think we're going to see some interesting stuff over the next few weeks. And I would expect that the Bucks are going to be included in a bunch of these rumors. Uh, I'm not really leaning either way between that guard or the wing type guy. But, um, you know, I'm... I'm excited to see what happens here because, uh, again, I, I think that they're going to be making a bunch of phone calls. Yeah, the only thing I'm sure of is that we will talk about this many more times over yeah. the next month. Yeah, yeah, there's uh, there's absolutely no doubt about that. We are we're we're really working through these now. We've only got a couple more left here. Oh well, uh, CJ Robertson, who has tweeted at us uh, pretty regularly over the last couple of months, uh, he asked uh, how long I'm going to last as a co-host with you, and uh, <laughs> he he also asked. Um, how you have managed to stay with the podcast this long and stay married well um i would say that uh you're you're still in dallas right now is that correct yeah i mean i travel a lot for work so you know when i'm (laughs) on the road and do two hour mailbags (laughs) yeah then uh, you know it's it's just not as big a deal um 
to uh to 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 do podcasts although you know again i mean my my daughter obviously doesn't go to bed very late she's only two so um you know after she goes to bed i mean it's you know my wife's a huge basketball fan she knows that podcasting and the bucks are really important to me so i mean she's very cool with me uh podcasting even when i'm home um now would she be cool with me podcasting when my daughter is supposed to be getting put to bed and getting story time which is typically my role when i'm home no she probably wouldn't be that cool with that but uh but you know again um i i again very fortunate to have a wife who's an nba fan i think is the uh the, the main thing and i don't know i mean people just uh you know you kind of choose your battles like i i don't do a lot of other stuff in terms of hobbies like i'm i'm not a you know spending lots of time on weeknights going out to bars and doing kind of crazy things. Um, spending a lot of time talking to Kane Pittman about mm-hmm. uh, the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, so um, I'm not sure if that's going to make people jealous of my existence at all. Probably not, Kane. Sorry. <laughs> no, um, I don't think so. But, I hope not. But uh, yeah, but you know, the bu- watching, watching the Bucks and talking about the Bucks, uh, that's taken the place of, you know, I, I definitely don't watch other sports as much as I used to. I don't really follow baseball anymore. I'm, you know, pretty casual about the NFL. Um, and uh, you know, I don't play fantasy sports anymore. I just kind of, I'm kind of choosing my battles. I don't, I haven't played video games in over a decade. So, uh, you know, it's kind of basketball. That's my, that's my thing. And, um, you know, I guess also I'm just obnoxious enough to think that other people should hear my, my opinions on, uh, <laughs> on, on this random sport, you know, that we spent all this time on. So, uh, yeah, it's fun. It's fun. And obviously we love having, you know, readers and listeners who are as engaged as, as you guys are listening, asking questions, talking to us on Twitter and doing all that. So CJ also had a bunch of questions related to the, to the, uh, trade deadline. I think we've pretty well knocked all those on the head with that last answer. We have a, uh, quick one here from David Cranston. He asked, where is Bledsoe Steele's gone this season? Is this a problem or has he stopped gambling? Well, uh, <laughs> I mean, the interesting thing with that is maybe uh, the 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 answer might be a little bit uh, with Dante, who seems to be grabbing all the steals. But we know that, that Bledsoe last year, there always seemed to be at least one a game where he would jump the passing lane and end up with an open layup or dunk or, or whatever it may be. That has seemed to reduce a little bit this season. Uh, early on in the year, remember, we were, we were a little bit concerned about his play and wondering whether this was to do with the the injury he came into the season. I think Bledsoe's been fine defensively this year. Like, do I think that he's going to be in an all-defensive team again? Probably not. Um, but uh, I, 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 I don't have any concern that, that about that steal number anyway, that's for sure. Yeah, his minutes are down slightly as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it's interesting to look at sort of things that uh, tend to be you kind of think of as like athletic indicators, right? Um, and, and again, steals, eh, steals in college, I would say for sure. I mean, you know, Steve Von Horn and I always talked about steals and how those tended to be good predictors, steals and blocks of sort of NBA success, not just getting more steals and blocks, but just because guys who got steals and blocks tended to just be more athletic and just made plays in college. Um, in the NBA, I'd say it's, you know, less pronounced, especially steals. Um, but it's interesting, you know, Bledsoe's steals, uh, his rate of, of steals this year, uh, it is down per 36. Uh, last year, um, he was at 1.8, this year 1.2. Interestingly, his blocks have actually gone up this year from 0.5 to 0.7 uh, blocks per 36 minutes. Uh, so that's kind of an interesting um, thing that, you know, has changed a little bit. Uh, his rebounding rate, I believe, is up this year. Uh, but probably the most obvious thing that would be a measure of athleticism, his dunking is actually down a lot. Uh, and I feel like we've had a number of cases where he's been in kind of positions where he, you think, okay, maybe he's in a dunk and he opts to, to lay it up. Last year he had 15 dunks. Uh, the year before he had 18 dunks this year, just one dunk. Um, so a mm-hmm. uh, very low uh, dunk number for Eric so far this year. Uh, Chris Middleton, uh, feeling very comfortable uh, at this point in their little uh, dunk competition. I don't know how many Chris has, not a lot, maybe like five or something like that. But, uh, but yeah, so it's a little bit interesting. So, um, but I, I would say I don't worry that much about steals for the reason you mentioned. I mean, um, I think as long as the Bucks are playing, you know, really well defensively, their, I mean, their their style is 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 a pretty low turnover um, forcing style that that's 
really one of the few downsides of their defensive system is it, you know, tends to be conservative and, and not pressure the ball doesn't, you know, they're not double teaming the ball or, you know, having guys, you know, gamble that much. So um, yeah, I would say not really a cause of concern. Um, I do wonder a little bit if that, that the do- downward dunking trend, does that speak to maybe Eric losing a little bit of his explosiveness? And again, uh, you know, you think about the injuries, you had the, uh, the rib injury to start the year. He obviously he's coming back from uh, the leg injury. Uh, but in general, um, it'd be an interesting thing to watch just with little guys, you know, over time, obviously at some point they, they don't dunk as much as they used to, even guys as athletic as, uh, as Eric and Chris, yes, Chris has five dunks on this year. So he's a commanding five to one lead over Eric Bledsoe. We've got a couple of questions here from Scott Dwyer. We already hit on one. He asked about Bender's guarantee, which sort of ties into the second question that he sent here. He said, what are the tax implications of filling out the, uh, filling out the roster if they make a two-for-one or three-for-one trade? Well, uh, simply, now that uh, they have uh, guaranteed, uh, we believe, or it looks like it's, it's going to be guaranteed for Bender on the roster, then, I mean, to, to make a, a three-for-one trade, as in three players coming into the box, it, it becomes pretty difficult. Um, I mean, you can you can cut those guys, but as you mentioned, there was around uh, three million from the tax. Uh, that was the number I had anyway. I, I don't really see that that is going to be something that would happen. Yeah, I mean, and this is kind of one of those things too. I mean, the like you think about whenever people have talked about like a Chris Paul trade. Um, yeah. One of the really hard things about doing a Chris Paul trade is. <laughs> Adding all uh, that. <laughs> yeah, like just getting all this, get, getting all the, uh, the, the salary together, and then you've got all these open roster spots, and as deep as your team is, then you suddenly lose a lot of depth, you know, just pooling the money, needed money together to, to try to make that work uh, salary-wise. And so, um, yeah, I mean, and that's the thing you mentioned about $3 million under the tax. So uh, if you did make kind of a crooked trade where, let's just say it was, you know, you're it's your salary neutral and then you have to add uh you know two or three guys um you know depending on uh, obviously how much of the season is left i mean stuff's like prorated you know the the amount of money you owe the guys are prorated so that makes it a little easier late in the season to add a guy because you're not actually paying him you know a full year's salary at that point but uh there's certainly a potential depending on what the bucks do that yeah they could um put themselves in in a spot where they they might be in danger of of going over the luxury tax i'm i'm i know bucks fans are probably not um you know uh clutching their pearls in uh anxiety over the possibility of the bucks god forbid having to pay the luxury tax but it, it would obviously be ironic just about you know for if they did end up having to pay the tax and zach Lowe alluded to the possibility of the bucks being open to making a deal that might put them in the tax um and, and how, you know, the, the Brogdon deal was different because that would have put them way into the tax, uh, not just, you know, like a couple million over or something like that. So, uh, you know, again, we'll see, right? Like the Bucks paying the taxes, I'll, I'll say that's one of those, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it type things. Um, and obviously right now being $3 million under and having a 32 and six record, you say, well, there's not probably a ton of urgency to, to make a, a wild move, um, but we'll see. All right, Spags asks, who is your favorite beat reporter, Matt, Eric, or dot, 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 someone else, I guess. Um, I, can't, I mean, how am I supposed to answer that? They both, uh, both looked after me a lot, so I, I can't really answer that. I, I don't know if you want to throw anyone under the bus, Frank. Well, I mean, obviously it has to be Eric. I mean, as much as I like Matt, I've met, I've met Matt once in my life, <laughs> and I, I like Matt. But, I mean, you know, I, as I've sort of joked, I mean, I spent – I, I probably have talked to Eric more, spent more hours talking to Eric over the past couple of years than any other human being on earth short of my wife. So, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, if, if it wasn't Eric, I mean, damn, what, yeah. what a miserable waste of, uh, of the last couple of years if, if, I, if I didn't enjoy talking to him. So uh, no pressure, Kane. You're, you're now mm. in the hot seat for being the person I, I end up talking to. Uh, more than than seemingly anyone else, but um, but yeah, I mean that's one of the nice. That's one of the great things I'd say about the uh, uh, the Bucks beat is that you know it's just a lot of well, first off, it's not a lot of people. Right? Yeah. Like you know, you think what last year, you know, you're Kane. You tell me who 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 did you see on a daily basis 
you, Matt, Eric, Katie, George, like, you know, yeah, the, really the, the TV crew. I mean, that, that yeah. was pretty much it. Right. And I'd say, obviously there, there wasn't really like any, you know, no bad apples, you know, nobody that uh, was um, I'd say, you know, people that you didn't look forward to hearing from, or, you know, I'd say all the people that, that cover the bucks and right now pretty much it's, you know, you, Eric, and, and Matt. it's all people that I want to hear from who I enjoy reading, listening to, uh, and, and obviously on a personal level, enjoy talking to, and just generally are really good people. So, um, you know, it's a, uh, I talked about the Bucks shooting is, is a quantity, not quality thing. The Bucks beat is definitely a quality, not quantity thing. Yeah. Well, it's funny. Yeah. And, I, and it was weird for me actually because uh, obviously last week when I got here I, I met Zora and last year you're right Katie was a big part of that and the the amount of time that last season that we spent or any season for anyone that's on the beat but last season for me personally with Matt Eric and Katie just sitting on the floor in the practice facility waiting for an hour hour and a half for whether it's Giannis to have a shower or someone to come out and the amount of time you just sit there just talking absolute rubbish uh, across the course of an NBA season. It's incredible. I mean, you, you become like pretty good friends and I, that's not really the case as far as I know from talking to other people with other teams. So it's cool. It's fun. And, and Zora is a part of that now. And it was funny because I, I actually bumped into her. I, I sort of, was walking out from halftime to go to my seat and she was doing the same thing. And we sort of like walked into each other and she sort of looked at me and I was like, ah, oh, I'm Kane. And she's like, yeah. She's like, I feel like I already know you, even though I've never met you before. And it's kind of like that. Like you said, I mean, the, the, the particularly with the Bucks Twitter is obviously very active with everyone. And there's a bunch of people that maybe you haven't met too many times, but you feel like you spoke to them a lot about the Bucks or Bucks basketball, or whatever it is, but it's nice. It's fun. But yeah, I don't want to be, I don't want to be throwing anyone under the bus there, but, I will throw this guy under the bus. He's a friend of mine, Troy. Uh, he's also a very good friend of Eric's, actually. That's how I met Troy. He's at the moment, he's in the Ukraine. Uh, so uh, with work. Um, so hopefully he's doing well over there. And uh, he always provided me with endless, just ridiculous questions, mostly to ask to Brooke. Uh, but for this one, he said, is there a cage match in the works with Robin Lopez versus Giannis and Wes Matthews? Does Robin need a partner? Um, I'm not sure. I, I don't really know what the latest development with this uh, pregame wrestling is, but I will say the last game I was at, Laurie Nickel, who works for the Journal Sentinel, was very concerned about the fact that Giannis is like standing up on chairs in this uh, in this warm up now, uh, and she's very concerned that something is going to go wrong. Is, is this just going to keep evolving? What do we think is going to happen with this pregame? Because it's become a real uh, it's become a real active theater in the in the hallway before the games. Well, they got, they had a chair. They, they kind of like started messing around. Like Giannis <laughs> was going to bring the chair out the other day. Um, so I, I don't know. This is the problem, right? How, how far can you escalate it? Uh, so I, I don't know. I mean, again, they're professional athletes. Uh, you hope they can handle a little, uh, little rough and tumble, you know, uh, play fighting. Um, but uh, certainly if, if this was me being a, a washed dad, I would worry about, you know, hurting my ribs or something like that. So um, again, they're adults. I'm going to trust that they can uh, handle their shenanigans. It certainly is entertaining, but uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't know kind of where they, where they go from, where they go from here. I mean, on Christmas day, they, they kind of faked it and they said, Oh, we're not going to fight because it's Christmas. Oh, it's Christmas. And then they got their asses kicked. So, um, <laughs> you know, it seems like it's kind of part of the pregame uh, pregame ritual at this point. I don't, I don't know if they can, if they can play to their fullest potential if they don't do it. And, uh, you know, that, and then is there a name for the little, like, I don't know what you describe it, like Eurostep conga line thing that they do, um, before games during warmups, which they always seem so happy and joyful doing it, which just makes me really enjoy it. Um, if people don't know what I'm talking about, just watch the Bucks, um, Twitter account. Like they'll usually post videos of the Bucks, uh, after sort of like everybody gets announced, like, you know, during warmups, they'll do this sort of line thing where they start following each other around kind of hopping side to side uh i I don't know i'm i'm i i feel like you know at some point you or eric is gonna have to dig deep when when things get really slow for uh for news stories you're gonna have to give us some more background on sort of the bucks pregame pregame rituals now that we've got wrestling and uh that little like line line dance thing yep if there's uh, a guy that's willing to ask um a ridiculous question it's probably me 
Um, I'm happy to I'm happy to take that challenge on. But we've got I said a couple more a couple ago, but I got rid of those. Uh, we've had a couple of those fun ones there. A couple more serious here, and we might have already answered this, so I, I don't know how deep we need to go into this one. But John Doe says a red flag I chose to ignore during the regular season last year was that in rare times that. Uh, they would play a top-tier de- defense at max effort. The Bucks' offense completely shut down in the half court. Saw flashes of that on Xmas first, uh, Christmas first Philly. Do you think their lack of creators will sink them again? Well, it depends on what you think actually sunk them last year against the Raptors. And and yes, I mean, Toronto did a fantastic job on Giannis. Um, so did Philly on Christmas Day. And Giannis wasn't hitting those threes. And now we've just seen it. So did the San Antonio Spurs the other day. So, I mean, it is a little bit of a concern. We spent some time talking about this with our potential trade options. And maybe internally, the Bucks are more worried about this uh, than they would lead you to believe. And maybe that will result in a trade. I'm not sure. I mean, the, 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 the simple thing is, if, if the Bucks get into a playoff series where... Uh, the opposition are just letting Giannis shoot wide open threes and no one else can hit a three to, to really save themselves as well. That's not going to end up well for the Bucks. Like that's going to be a tough game to win. Uh, I think at times we've seen a lack of ball movement, lack of people movement, and sometimes they do get a little bit stagnant and maybe a, a, an added uh, ball handler that can penetrate, that can move, that can do some things. And you already spoke about it. a guy like Patty Mills. I don't think that they can get him, but with how frantic he is moving without the ball, a guy like that would be good for those situations, but uh, it's going to be interesting to see. Like I said, if they're not hitting those threes, it makes things difficult. Yeah, I mean, you know, offense versus defense. Like, is there some, you know, I think of it like going back to the trade question. Is there some move you would make to improve their defense? I don't really think so. I mean, yeah, like, would it be cool to have Robert Covington? Sure, right. Um, but uh, can the Bucks be a great defense with the group they've got? Clearly, they can. Um, do I think they can be a great defense in the playoffs with the group that they have? Yeah, I think they can. Um, you know, in the playoffs last year against Toronto, uh, the defense was a bit worse. The offense was um, more worse, <laughs> I guess, when you compare it to sort of what they did during the regular season. So, so yeah, I kind of return to, you know, I'm more worried about the Bucks running into issues offensively than, than defensively. And I think if they run into issues, um, defensively I think you know it's probably going to be more of the you know teams just shoot really well and sometimes you just can't can't do a whole lot about that although um you know Toronto in that series overall I mean they shot 37 percent they didn't shoot the lights out uh against the Bucks it was more the Bucks shooting 31 percent yeah um and and shooting poorly than the Raptors just kind of going nuts or something like that in, in that series so uh so yeah that's kind of why I always sort of return to um you know, a playmaker, you know, basically just a, uh, somebody who can be an icebreaker, uh, when the Bucks offense goes into a deep freeze potentially in, in the playoffs. Um, although apparently, you know, Hey, we were, as we were talking the other night, Hey, maybe Robin Lopez post game is, uh, is, <laughs> is the thing that, that, that gets the Bucks going. Um, although even me joking about that, maybe that's a sign of, uh, of, of real issues. <laughs> Well, yeah, and that actually, uh, you, you mentioned Robin, and that can sort of lead us into this next question. And this is something that we've spoke about a lot. And so I, I think in many respects, we've sort of answered this and probably have the same concerns that uh, Sam Welk has. And he asked, what is the likelihood Bud strays from his current rotation pattern? Do the all bench minutes get subbed by Giannis uh, Middleton? Uh, minutes are different combinations there and he says please say yes well (laughs) i i don't know if i can definitively say yes but what i will say is as you pointed to a couple of weeks ago frank the the minutes did go up in the in the eastern conference finals uh you know perhaps unfortunately they didn't go up as high as the opposition and maybe that's what you need to do and that's that's the problem like yes they played a lot more in the eastern conference finals than they did at any other point uh, they still played less than the Toronto Raptors' best players, though, and and that's, I mean, you you, you would just like to see Giannis. I mean, what whatever it takes, and I don't think it quite got to that level last year in the Eastern Conference Finals. It was interesting. Someone asked Bud the other night. Uh, I can't remember who it was that asked this, but asked Bud whether uh, he was comfortable playing those all bench minutes, um, you know, even potentially in the playoffs. And of course, he said yes, and he's 
he's definitely going to say yes. He's not going to like tell his players in front of everyone that he's not confident in playing them in the playoffs. So it's kind of an answer where you're just like, well, all right, whatever. I, I can't. I got to take that with a grain of salt. Uh, but uh, we saw last year that he's going to trust uh, his bench deep into a playoff series. Yeah, I. So I've I've obviously we we've, we've talked a fair bit about our you know, concerns around those, these all bench lineups. I mean, I've been thinking about this a lot lately and, and it really is remarkable, you know, how few minutes the Bucks' best players play. I mean, Giannis playing 31 minutes, um, you know, Chris barely over 28, Bledsoe 26. Uh, I mean, the only precedent I can find for this um, of the best players playing that few minutes is the 2013-14 Spurs when uh, Kawhi, Duncan, and Parker all played 29 minutes per game. Um, nobody was over 30. Uh, now, you know, in the playoffs, how much can you ramp it up? You know, you, last year in that Raptor series, Giannis plays 38 and a half minutes, Chris 37 minutes per game. Um, so I mean, certainly it, it ramped up a fair bit. And, and here's the thing. I mean, when they're playing, you know, Giannis 30 minutes, Chris 28. Um, I mean, it's hard to really stagger them significantly given that they both start. You can't stagger them to, to, to stagger them and, and minimize all bench units um, while still starting them together would require you to like basically bench one of them very early in the first and third quarters. And, you know, again, you could do it, um, but it's harder. And the good news is when you start ramping those guys minutes up, you know, the, the thing that gets the, 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 the rotations that change the quickest are the fact that those all bench minutes are going to dis- disappear first, right? Because, you know, you can't, you know, there's no change in the fact that they're both starting and playing the first half of the first and third quarters, and they're going to play, you know, the end of the fourth quarters and things like that. So the the things that get filled in by those extra minutes are those kind of shoulder minutes, you know, in the second quarter, in the late third quarter, early fourth quarter, things like that. So I think you will see certainly fewer um, periods with those all bench lineups. Um, that said, uh, you know, do I wish that Bud seemed more, you know, interested in trying to uh, get those kind of staggering opportunities going? Yeah, I think I, I still feel that that way. Um, but I guess the flip side, you could also argue as well, you know, he's trying to maximize Chris and Giannis together, and that's your closing group. That's you know your kind of core group. And so, um, you know, he's basically trying to double down on what the strongest lineup is because obviously that's going to be the group that you're going to need at the high, you know, at the most you know, high leverage kind of critical moment. So that's might be the, and maybe that's the positive way to spin it. Um, but I certainly agree. You know, you, again, if, if your strategy is to play, you know, uh, all bench groups during the playoffs, well, that probably doesn't matter against the Detroit Pistons, but uh, you know, we even saw it, I think, work against the Celtics, but uh, you know, at some point, I think you're probably going to run out of luck and, uh, you know, we'll all be waiting to see exactly how Bud handles it and how, how, what kind of adjustments he's willing to make. Yeah. And this, uh, this comes right back to my uh, concern that uh, I think we spoke a little bit about a couple of weeks ago that I then wonder, well, okay, can these guys handle this? Mm, <laughs> and, yeah. and, you know, I just don't think it's something that, that people think about a lot because everyone looks at it as a positive that these guys aren't playing big minutes. But then it's like, okay, well, in the pressure of the Eastern Conference Finals when the intensity and everything is ramped up, like an extra eight, nine, ten minutes a night is a big deal. And can are they actually physically able to do that? And that is something, um, I guess, that, that I am – and you know, a little bit wary of as as we enter the uh, the the back half of the regular season. But one more question, last uh, but certainly not least, from Jesse Dill, and I think that this one this one's last because I think it's a good way to finish it off. It says uh, he asks, "What is different about this team this year that should give us hope for a different outcome at the end?" Uh, and then he follows up by saying, "By performance to date, uh, still wish." Uh, or do we wish any of the 2019 off-season moves were uh, different? So I guess we can start there. Um, for now, no. I mean, I, I think that everyone's panned out uh, the way you would have liked it to to this point. Um, you know, clearly the most controversial uh, move of the summer was was not bringing uh, Brogdon back and making that sign and trade with Indiana. But uh, 
you know, while the early results for, for Brogdon were great and he was putting up monster numbers and still, you know, being relatively efficient, that efficiency certainly dropped off over the last few games. And now he's just missing a bunch of games. He's missed games with a hamstring, missed games with a back, missed games with, a, I think he had a, a thigh soreness there at one point. I mean, he's just banged up. And you wonder, this was something I said at the start of the season when I was looking at the minutes. I was like, he's playing more minutes than he's ever played before. He's not a guy that's been able to get through a regular season. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, he's missing a bunch of games now, which was certainly one of the major, major red flags with him. So, look, I think the Bucks had a great uh, summer. And, you know, as we've spoke about a lot over the course of this mailbag, uh, they are in somewhat of a position to make another move that can, that can uh, help them improve for this year if they want to. But, uh, no, I wouldn't change anything um, from last summer probably uh, at, at this point for sure. I mean, they're 32-6. and six. There's not much to complain about. Yeah, I mean, I think the one angle of the Brogdon situation that maybe we don't talk about that much um, is, you know, do you keep him if only because um, he's young enough that you can still maybe make an argument that he has some some trade value? I mean, yeah. again, if, if he's averaging 15 points and three assists a game, getting paid $21 million a year, does he have a lot of positive trade value? Probably not. Um, you know, does he have some I have beholder type value? I mean, again, like he's a good character guy. He's not, you know, old, even if he does have some injury concerns. Um, so I, I think that's maybe a dimension of this that um, I would still say you, you know, again, net, net, if you figure out a way to, to keep Brooke Lopez and George Hill, maybe you guarantee more money in George Hill's third year uh, and then manage to bring Brogdon back. You, obviously, you don't have the first round pick in that scenario. And you probably don't, you know, have Brooke, uh, Robin Lopez in that scenario either. Um, I, I think you'd be a, a more talented team overall. I think you'd be a little bit more, you know, you have more insurance against Bledsoe itis in the playoffs, or you know, an injury to George Hill or or Bledsoe, or for that matter, Chris Middleton. Um, and again, I mean, Bucks <laughs> had no problem dealing with injuries to those guys um, so far during this regular season. So I don't think it. I don't think you can make a real strong argument that, you know, the Bucks would be, oh, they'd be better regular season team if they had kept Brogdon. I mean, clearly they're not missing him here in the regular season. So it's just a matter of how do you make sure that you make your playoff ceiling as high as, as possible, give yourself absolutely the best chance possible of winning a title. I still think keeping Brogdon is, would have been the way to do that. And again, you know, maybe there would have been some trade-off, you know, in terms of some of the other guys you would have signed. I mean, you're not going to sign, I don't think you get Wes Matthews in that scenario. Um, you know, maybe you don't get Kyle Korver either if, if Brogdon is on the team, which again, is that the end of the world? No, I don't think that's the end of the world uh, by any stretch. So um, I think that's, that would be interesting. And again, even if that was just to trade Malcolm Brogdon, right? I mean, you know, talk about the Chris Paul scenario, right? If Malcolm Brogdon is on the roster making $21 million a year, um, I think there's a lot easier path to trading for Chris Paul than the Bucks currently have. Um, so I think that's an interesting, that's an interesting kind of angle of the what if that we don't talk about very much. Um, but I think that's, you know, kind of, that's another sort of piece of this that uh, again, I, I don't like to do the revisionist history stuff too much. Uh, and I think with the, how well the Bucks have played, it's, you know, I mean, it's the, the, to the extent the Bucks thought that they could be good with Mal- without Mach and Brogdon. Hey, so far, they're absolutely <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, yeah. They have not missed him at all. Uh, and, you know, the, the most remarkable thing, though, is, I mean, can you imagine? I mean, isn't it amazing that they lose Malcolm Brogdon and they're playing all their best players less minutes, fewer minutes? Yeah. It's, that's, I mean, that's kind of crazy, right? That, like, they've gotten enough from guys like DiVincenzo to, you know, really – not need to ramp up Bledsoe's minutes to account for the lack of Brogdon and, and his, uh, you know, second unit kind of creating and things like that. And that's, that's crazy. Um, and that's obviously one of the things you hope kind of helps the longevity of a guy like Bledsoe who had obviously a lot of, you know, leg concerns, knee injuries before coming to Milwaukee. And, you know, since then, obviously knock on wood, you hope it kind of continues. So I, that's the other piece too. I think DiVincenzo's emergence is a really good rotation player. I think that's another sort of subtle upside of, of Brogdon leaving, you know, how much of Dante DiVincenzo do we see if, if Brogdon's still on this team? I don't know. Tough to say, right. If Wes Matthews and Corver aren't around, then I think you still would have seen Dante play 
but would he have gotten the same opportunity? You know, that's obviously, uh, that's obviously debatable. Yeah. And, and that was one of the things that, I, that they spoke about. And even, uh, you know, when, when Alex Lazary was on the pod, that was the one thing that he said about guys like Dante and these, these other guys that they thought that they would be able to say, well, okay, well, we, we, we're going to get development out of these guys. Um, yeah, it's an interesting point you make about, you know, certainly someone like Chris Paul who, again, I mean, he, for a guy that, I mean, he's either, he either is really happy in OKC and he's, and he's telling the truth or he is putting on one hell of a show for the Miami Heat or whoever it is that can put a package together for him because, geez, he has been incredible over the, the last month. But uh, the, just the, the last point on that uh, question from Jesse in terms of what is different about this team uh, that should give us hope for a different outcome at the end. Well, I mean, uh, the the number one thing is they were very close last year, and sometimes yeah. I think that um, you know that sort of gets lost how close they were. Um, I, I think that another thing you have to say is experience in the Eastern Conference Finals. The experience of losing, um, I think, can help you in some way. And then uh, Giannis has gotten better, <laughs> and like it, it, that's that's the crazy thing. Giannis is better than he was last year. Like he he is. Uh, he's, he's shooting threes now. Um, he's added, uh, I mean, his defense is still obviously at that uh, absolute elite level, defensive player of the year uh, level for him. But uh, it's not like he's stagnated in any way. And, and he's the, the best player in the game or you know, whatever. If you want to argue that, you can. But uh, I, he's the best player in the game, probably going to win the MVP again. And uh, I, I think that in itself is enough to, to make you think, well, yeah, this, this team can win it. Yeah, I mean, Eric and I talked about this a year ago. I mean, one of the best arguments against the Bucks last year was that teams don't go from, you know, never having won a playoff series to just winning a title. Like it just yeah, it really yeah. doesn't happen. I mean, um, the the Warriors didn't win a playoff series the year before they won their first title, but they actually won one the, the prior year. So you know, Steph um, and Clay had won a playoff series when uh, you know they went in that first year when when they won their first title. Um, so. I mean, again, there's examples of teams that, that didn't do that, but, you know, like the Celtics, 2008 Celtics, I'd say are not you know, a good comp because that was obviously a team of veteran superstars that was put together kind of overnight that then just really gelled and, and went from, you know, basically a, a lottery team to, to a title winning team. But, you know, for the Bucks, you know, Giannis to go from never having gotten out of the first round, um, I mean, the natural progression is you win one series, maybe two series, you lose, and then you have to go back, right? I mean, Giannis is 25. I mean, look around, right? How many of the, the dominant superstars that he's compared to were the single focal point championship winning guys on rosters, right? You know, Dwayne Wade won a title with Shaq at, a, you know, at, at I think, a little bit under that age. Um, that's very rare, right? Kobe was very young when he won with Shaq, but Shaq was the best player on those teams to me. And I don't think that was any question. His, those finals runs by Shaq were incredible. Um, But for, you know, lead guys who won championships, I mean, LeBron, you know, was, I think, uh, what was he? Uh, He was, he's an 84 birthday. So, um, you know, for him winning his first title in, I guess it was 2012, I think. Yeah, I think he was um, 27 or 28 at that point. Yeah, so he was 27, 28. Jordan, uh, similarly, I think he was 27, 28 when he won his first title. Um, that's just the nature of how this, tends, how this tends to work in the NBA. So, you know, I think if you say a player is going to win their first MVP at the age of 24, uh, go to the East Finals at the age of 24, um, you know, you're you're at or ahead of schedule when you look at all the sort of historical comps for guys that that ultimately win championships. Uh, and so, again, I, I get it. You know, Bucks were good enough to win a title, so we should be disappointed that they didn't win a title. But um, you know, to return to that question, uh, Giannis taking further steps. Uh, Chris is as good, or I'd say better than a year ago. Bledsoe is as good as he was a year ago. Um, Lopez's defense, obviously, is, I'd say taking another leap, even if his three-point shooting has tailed off a little bit. And you just have, I think, also a coaching staff that, um, you know, they lose uh, Taylor Jenkins. But, you know, I think coaches evolve. You, I'd say they tend to get better. You know, I think Bud showed some things, some willingness to try different things in the playoffs last year, which people questioned, you know, to some extent. Now, 
can he be a better coach in the playoffs? You know, did he outcoach Nick Nurse? No. Um, but again, to say that he doesn't have the capacity to improve uh, and get better, I think is is unfair and unfounded. You know, based on what we've seen. So um, yeah, I mean, this is a team that seems to be rounding into. I mean, who knows how much better they can get, right? I, I don't. I don't know how much more ceiling they have to realize, other than kind of some stuff around the edges. But um, they they certainly seem better, more confident, better understanding of who they are, what they are, greater comfort with who they are, what their identity is. And um, you know, again, I think you're going to have a really great chance uh, to win a championship this year. And unfortunately, um, you know, unless you're the the Warriors team of a couple of years ago, um, <laughs> you're never going to have, you know, you're never going to be the, the, the most likely thing to happen to be that you win a championship. Like there's too many teams um, that are good, especially right now, but um, you've got a really legitimate chance. And, you know, <laughs> compared to where we were as Bucks fans two years ago, it's a pretty cool place to be. It is, and it's it's really really wild to think about, uh, you know. And uh, this this for everyone that that cares uh, about the Bucks, the patience. It's it's incredible how quickly the the patience runs low, and it's like, okay, now we're good enough to win a title. Let's get it now. And uh, like I said, they were very very close last year. That in itself should uh, make you believe that this team uh, can win it this year. But We've got through them all, Frank, and uh, just I, I don't know how many episodes this is going to end up being split up into, but it is uh, 10 past one. I think we started recording at about 10.30, so this has been uh, a pretty fun uh, marathon to get through. Yeah, it'll be less fun when I wake up tomorrow morning wishing I had <laughs> used the last hour and a half to sleep <laughs> rather than talk to you, but um, don't take it personal. Uh, I enjoyed it. Uh, thanks so much to everybody for the questions and if we missed you, obviously we apologize. Sorry if and we try to try to hit all the questions that, that people ask of us, but um, hopefully we'll do it again soon. Uh, you know, when we have a little, little lag in the schedule, I'm sure probably at a, at the latest um, around all-star weekend with the trade yeah. deadline coming up, I'm sure we'll do another one of these because we'll have, we'll have some days to kill. Yeah. Yeah. We'll make sure this time it's not as, uh, you know, long between uh, drinks, I guess, for the mailbag, mailbag, and uh, also maybe there'll be a bit to talk about around that time as well. So yeah. that, uh, we, yeah, we can definitely pencil that one. We, in. we might still be be parsing out these mailbags. Uh, you know, over the it might take us weeks to to get these actually out, <laughs> given how long we just talked. But um, you know, ho- hopefully, hopefully we'll we'll get these out into the world sooner. You know, because because if the Bucks make a trade in two days, like half of this discussion will be totally useless. I know I'm gonna to have to try and get these out quickly, but Frank, you you need to get some sleep. Uh, unfortunately, uh, you, you know you do have to get up uh, probably a lot earlier than <laughs> than I do. But uh, thanks for jumping on, and uh, yeah, we are gonna leave it there. So for Frank Madden and myself, Kane Pittman, we'll catch you guys next time.